0: Thank you for listening to a student ministry sermon from Christ Church of Orinoco. For more information about the student ministry, or about Christ Church in general, visit us online at ccochurch.com. And now, here's this week's student ministry sermon. After my freshman year, I just started going to uh, New Hope Christian Church. Uh, For the first time in my life, I started going to church. And um, there's a guy in my youth group, his name is Caleb. Caleb and I uh, started hanging out. He wasn't really a church guy. Uh, We were kind of in the same boat. We hated being in Sunday school. And so we um, would play games and we would do all these different things just to have the time pass by. Uh, Well, later on in that year, Caleb um, was killed in a car accident. Uh, He was thrown from a minivan and, and Caleb was actually uh, him and a group of guys were on their way uh, to buy drugs. Uh, Caleb was a guy that um, professed to know Jesus, uh, but lived a life that was different than what his word said. Um, I went to Caleb's funeral, and uh, as I'm walking up to, to see his, uh, his body, um, he was thrown a, a couple hundred yards. Uh, they were going pretty fast. And um, I remember in that in that moment, walking up and seeing um, his face, but it, it didn't look like Caleb, you know, it was, it was distorted in, in so many ways, kind of flattened, and it, it just freaked me out. You know, I, I had encountered death before, I had some great uncles die and some, some older relatives pass away, but... It was walking up to that casket that I understood what death really was. Peering in and seeing that casket and seeing Caleb lifeless started to raise some questions for me. And many of you have been in that same boat where you've had a loved one that you've, you've cherished deeply, that relationship that have passed away you've had somebody close, maybe a friend of yours, that, um, that's gone. And so maybe for you, it, it, it started to just reel in your mind, what does this mean that I'm physically at some point, it's inevitable, going to die? And for me, I, I said, see God, this is why I don't want to follow you. See God, this is why I don't want to trust you and put my faith in you. And so for um, many weeks and months and years, I wrestled and continue to wrestle with this idea of what, does it, what does it mean to die? And that question from what does it mean to die soon translated into well, what does it mean to actually live? What does it mean to actually fully live this life that we're given just one opportunity for? What does it mean to fully be alive? And so since then, I've been to many funerals, and I've looked at death a little different, a little differently. I've been able to sit in a pew or in a, in a, at a funeral home and be able to listen to a message. And what you hear time in and time out from a message um, at a funeral is not what people have said in their lives. They're not going to, at my funeral, the preacher's not going to stand up. And say, here's what Adam said he was going to do. He had great ambition. He had great intention. He said a lot of lofty things. He got up on stage and he communicated a life worth living in Jesus. And he painted this picture, this portrait of what it means to follow him. They're not going to say that. Wake up call, guys. It doesn't, it doesn't mean jack what I say on the stage. It doesn't mean jack what you profess with your mouth. What, it, what defines you, what defines me, is how I live out my life. What defines me is what I do. Jesus is calling us out of consumption and into fasting. He's calling us out of a place where we're all absorbed with sin in our lives And he's calling us into a place to abstain from those things and to be intimate with him, to pursue him. And that's what we're going to dive into tonight. James says it this way. He says, when a person is carried away with desire, lured by lust, and when desire becomes the focus and takes control, it gives birth to sin. When sin becomes fully grown, it produces death. I can physically be alive, but be spiritually dead. I'm standing before you now. Blood is running through my veins, but I could be corrupt by sin and desires of the flesh and be absolutely dead. And Satan, time and time and time again, tempts us in the same ways as he did in the very beginning with Adam and Eve as he did with Jesus in the desert, and that's what we're going to focus on tonight. And there's are three things, and guys, I want you to hear them. It's the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Those three temptations, Satan doesn't have an old trick. Rick Warren puts this beautifully in a sermon that I listened to, and so I'm stealing a little bit of his material. But he puts it in a way that's pointed in what we're talking about tonight. These three things, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Jesus is calling us out of consumption and into fasting. Do you guys hear that? Do you guys hear it? This is, this is where you say yeah. Do you guys hear that? Yeah. James goes on, 4, 7, uh, chapter 4, verse 7. You guys that went to move this last summer have heard this. So submit yourselves to the one true God and fight against the devil and his schemes. If you do, he will run away in failure. Come close to the one true God and he will draw close to you. Wash your hands. You've dirtied them with sin. Cleanse your heart because your mind is split down the middle. Half of it to God and half of it to selfish desire. Now is a time To lament. You guys, I want to read this and I just want to have, for you to have a posture of recounting the things that, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh and the pride of life. The things that you gravitate towards in your sinful, nasty state. And I'm not talking down on you, I'm talking with you. Because this is the same for me. Do you have it? Do you have, do you have the thing that, man, I would tell, I'm gonna tell my D group leader these certain things, but I'm not gonna tell them this. Do you have it? Okay. Now is the time to lament, to grieve, and to cry about this thing. Dissolve your laughter into sobbing. It's not a laughing matter. And exchange your joy for depression. Lay yourself bare, face down to the ground in humility before the Lord and he will lift your head so you can stand tall. I wonder what this thing is for you. What is this deep, dark secret that you keep tucked inside of you that you enjoy so much of, that you know is drawing you further and further away from the Father? What is this one thing that you will, you will you'll tell a little bit about, maybe on the, on the peripheral, what this might be to some leaders, maybe your parents, to close friends, but you won't give it all. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift your head that you can stand so tall. Right now I want to just pray. And um, what I'd like for us to do is, is to physically humble ourselves. And so if you would, join me in just getting on our knees and just asking the Lord, uh, asking the Spirit to reveal in us those things that we fight for, the sins that we gravitate towards, that we be purged from our lives and that we can draw close to the Father. Pray with me. Father, I'm bending knee. God, we, we come before you. God, and I'm, I am so sick of the sin that's in my life. I'm so disturbed time and time again, day in and day out, the battle and the fight that I lose to sin, that I lose to desires, I lose to temptation that that cultivates into sin that inevitably turns into death. And I'm walking around as a dead man. God, make me fully alive Spirit, ignite in me a desire to, to pursue you, not just with my mouth, not just in this room, God, not just on this stage, but God, I pray for a desire to live my life day in, day out so my daughter knows your name, so my wife, she knows who you are. God, I pray that every person that sees me doesn't see me, but sees you sees Jesus in me. God, I pray that I would fight against sin and injustice in this world that I would put on the armor and take the sword in my school. God, I pray for these students in their school and their homes. God, on the football field or in the classroom, I pray that we would stand up For the fight against sin and not engage in it any longer. God, I pray that we would recognize that this is not a laughable matter. And that the fight is on against the devil that so conveniently destroys our relationships with you, with each other. With this body of Christ, with this church. God, I pray that in these six weeks leading up to your resurrection, that we would humble ourselves, that we would truly investigate who we are in you, and that we'd stand up and be all in. God, I pray that I could be all in for you. I pray for each student in this room, each leader in this room, that we would be all in for you. Jesus, we ask you to come. Holy Spirit, we ask you to be with us. We know that you're in with us, and we know that you're in us. Empower us to live a life worthy of a cause that's greater than ourselves. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I sense Jesus had this state of uh, anguish when the Holy Spirit led him out of the desert. I find it interesting that in Luke 4, it says that the Holy Spirit leads Jesus out of the desert. And, and I have this. I, I want to say this, that that's key. And it's not in the sense of testing as much as it is in the sense of looking at Jesus' faithfulness in the desert. So let me ask you, when, when have you been able to reveal your faithfulness in Jesus? At what point today... Were you tempted in a way, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, the pride of life, were you tempted in a way that God wasn't necessarily testing you, but he's giving you opportunity to be faithful? So the Holy Spirit leads Jesus out in the desert for 40 days. We pick it up in Luke 4, Jesus' first encounter with, with the devil, and this is not like devil like physically right there, but Jesus, you gotta, you got to... You got to imagine he's exhausted. He's been out in the desert for forty days, for forty nights. He's not ate anything. He's not drank a single drop of water. And all of a sudden, he's he's questioning. He's doubting in some way. Uh, the work he knows the work that's going to happen, the ministry that he has. Being fully man and fully God, he understands what's before him. And so Jesus tempted. The devil says this to him, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Lust of the flesh. I wonder what the lust of the flesh is for you. This is the feel good temptation. What makes me feel good about myself? Maybe it's social media, maybe it's the likes, maybe it's the selfies, maybe it's the recognition, maybe it's the accolades, the, 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 um, the things that we associate with with football, or with basketball, or with sports, or with swimming, or with band, or with whatever we're engaged in, that we just want to feel praised. It makes us feel good. The things that we fill ourselves up with, maybe it's sex, maybe it's alcohol, maybe it's drugs, maybe it's all the above. Oh, Adam, you know, I'm just, I was just tempted in this way, and, and I just want to feel good. I just want to feel good. I wonder what... The lust of the flesh is for you. The antidote to that, and something that we're going to talk about further this semester, is integrity, is character. That you're the same person behind closed doors with your girlfriend in your bedroom that you are when you come in this place. That you say the same things to your friends at school that you would say in this place. And that you actually live out your faith in a way that professes Jesus as Lord in the same way that you talk with your mouth. Integrity. The devil led him up to a high place, Jesus up to a high place, and, and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all authority and splendor and, and that has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone. If you worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus says, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. This is the lust of the eyes. We live in a materialistic world. We live in a place where it says, not only do they say, it's yours to have, but you deserve it. And so I wonder what the lust of the eyes is for you. What is it that's luring you beyond the relationship with the Father? That's taking you away in, in your desires. Uh, that's producing sin. That's leading to death in your life. The antidote to this is, is gratitude and giving. Because guess what? If you didn't know it, this is Ash Wednesday. And from dust we were created. And dust we will go And nothing that I have and nothing that I am is mine for the taking. But it has all been given to me by the Father in order to be faithful. And so what is it for you in the lust of the the eyes? And how can you, how can I be a giving person in full of gratitude? So lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and then the last one, the pride of life. And Satan um, says this in verse 9: The devil led him to Jerusalem and, and and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you were the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He will command angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift up your hands, they will lift you up with their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus said, "Is it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test." The pride of life, guys. We are all in the same boat in the sense of we want to be recognized, we want to be valued, we want to be loved, we want to be in the limelight on some level. And if we say that that's not us, sometimes our humility, in, in, a, in a very, um, very much in a way that's maybe recognized and maybe uh, seen as a strength. Is something that we do, it's just a humble brag type of thing. And we are humble just to get recognition. And so this is not just in our weaknesses that Satan tempts us, but it's also in our strengths. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life. I wonder, for you, how, saint to, how Satan is tempting you. Because what we know and what I've said before is that Satan doesn't have any new tricks. He did this in the garden with Adam and Eve. He did this with Jesus in the desert. And he does this to me every single day. Every single day. And he does this with you every single day. And we can continue to give in to those temptations. And those desires that will inevitably lead to sin, that will inevitably lead to death. Or we can humble ourselves and give it all to the Father so that He will lift us up. This season that we're in is called Lent. In in the church tradition, uh, in the church calendar, uh, Lent is a Middle English word that really just truly means spring. Spring. Um, But it's 40 days, not including Sundays, before Easter. It starts tonight. And so it's 46 days in total, six weeks. And in six weeks, we challenged you and myself to do three things. One is add something to our week. Um, Add something, meaning something that's going to draw us close to the Father, that's going to draw us close to Jesus. The second thing is subtract something. Now something in our lives that is pulling us away. And the third thing is introspection. So I'm not just going to do something. I'm not going to just add something to my plate. Or I'm not just going to subtract something just to get, again, recognition or to earn grace. That's not what this is about. So the introspection piece is key. And I'm challenging myself and I'm challenging you to journey with us for six weeks, to add something every week, to subtract something every week, and it could be something different every week, or it could be a total of 12 things for six weeks. But as you're doing that, you're writing out, so say that you abstain from social media, and then you have this desire to get on social media, you're writing out, why is it that I have the desire to do that? What is it that's compelling me to dive into these certain things? Or maybe it's, I don't know, dirty movies. Maybe it's raunchy music. Maybe it's sex with your girlfriend. Maybe it's something like a, a sin, that sin that you're holding on to. Maybe it's something that's not, very, that's not really bad in, in the sense of a sin, but it's something that's just causing you a little bit to derail from being intimate with the Father. Whatever that may be. And maybe it's that one thing that we talked about that you're holding on to. Whatever those things may be, to subtract it, but to be able to learn from it. To be able to learn what it is about me that's drawing myself away from the Father. And what it is that I'm going to do or continue to do in faithfulness that's leading me to the Father. Here in a moment, we're going to uh, partake in communion, which is uh, something that we get to add in our daily lives uh, every week, or we get to add in our lives every week. Uh, so every Sunday, we come to this place um, in the in the main worship center. We get to partake in the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. So Jesus, you know, was with his disciples, and he and he. Um, He said, this is my body, which is broken for you, and this is the blood, this is the juice, this is the wine, which is a a symbol of my blood that was shed for you. And here in a moment, we're going to um, be able to partake in communion in a way called intinction, which is just a fancy way to say to tear off a piece of the bread and to dip it into the juice. And as we're doing that, Leaders are going to be stationed there, and they will say, this is the body broken for you, and this is the blood shed for you. And our response to that is amen, or praise be to God. This is not for everybody. Unashamedly, unapologetically, this is for those who profess Jesus as Lord and Savior of their life. And so maybe you're not there right now, and that's okay. Okay. If you're not there right now, you can sit quietly and this is a great way to just have some introspection of your own. Um, To sit and to think about through what it means to be in a relationship with Jesus, what it means to live this life fully for Him. But if you are a believer that professes Jesus as Lord in the same way that uh, we're all going to introspect, I encourage you to think of that one thing and to have a heart of repentance and confession as we come to the table. And we're going to watch a video to help prompt us in that. Thank you for listening to a student ministry sermon from Christ Church of Orinoco. For more information about the student ministry or about Christ Church in general, visit us online at ccochurch.com.